Welcome back to another edition of the Keisha Covered podcast brought to you by Capital Federal True Blue, our title sponsor here at Keisha Covered. And I don't know if this is a special edition or if we're back on the regular schedule or what. We've been hitting you weekly with our podcast as the state championship season and the fall season has been been just busy week after week after week. We uh, crown more state champions and we've already talked about you know, tennis and golf and volleyball and cross country. Well, now soccer got its uh, got its season finished last weekend with uh, three state champions crowned across the state, and we will go down and talk about each of those uh, each of those state tournaments, the final fours, and then uh, and then we'll also look ahead to Unified Bowling State, which is coming up next week, and then uh, touch a little bit on the football playoffs that are uh, we're two weeks into the football playoffs, and we've had some great games, some big upsets already, and and uh, some great matchups on tap this weekend. But first, we'll start with state soccer, and Class Six A was held at Hummer Sports Park, and I was out. Uh, out at Hummer for the weekend. I stopped out there Friday night, caught, caught the very end of the Olathe East Dodge City semifinal before going out to a football game, and then was back out there to uh, catch the end of the third place match and the championship match. And Olathe East Hawks win their uh, win the state championship, and and it was a, a road for redemption for Olathe East uh, in the playoffs. In the last three rounds of the playoffs, the the Hawks met up with teams that had beaten them during the regular season. In the quarterfinals, they beat Shawnee Mission East which had beaten them earlier in the season in overtime. And they win that one in a, in a thriller. It goes to four OTs, and they win that one uh, to get into the quarterfinals where they take on Dodge City, which had beaten them out in Dodge City 4-1 to one earlier this season. But uh, Olathe East, uh, you know, in that game, they really showed some resiliency. Dodge City got the first goal in the game, and then less than a minute later, East comes back and gets, another, gets a goal to tie it. So they uh, – Instead of kind of you know letting Dodge City control things, they they answer right back, and then they go up ahead in the second half, um, take a take a two one lead about ten minutes into the half on an Edgar Bazan shot, and then uh, off a free kick, and then but Dodge City gets the equalizer uh, from David Garcia, has a couple more chances, don't don't cash in, game goes to overtime, and then in overtime period, Aiden Bomer uh, gets a header at the 601 mark to send Olathe East back to the state championship for the first time since 2020. In the finals, they took on Shawnee Mission West, which beat Washburn Rural 2-0 in their semifinal game. And East and West had also played in the regular season with West taking a 3-1 win in that game. And uh, in the final, it was just it was just a great game. Uh, you know, East defense really clamped down on Shawnee Mission West's uh, very good group of forwards and, and offensive players. Uh, guys like Sergio and Marco Hernandez and Phil Mutantica, uh, you know, those guys really can put some pressure on opposing defenses. But the Lathies did a really good job of of bottling them up and and uh, keeping them, you know, kind of under wraps. And, and the, in the first half, excuse me, they get a goal um, from Duncan Black on a header off a off a, a kick, a free kick from Hofstetter, his teammate, uh, the, the Dodge, the, not the Dodge, the Shawnee Mission West goalkeeper, kind of goes out and looks like he's going to grab it, and the ball goes right over his hands, and and uh, and Black was right there, gets a head on it, and said he, he was just trying to put it somewhere towards the goal. Well, it goes goes past a couple Shawnee Mission West defenders, goes in for the goal, and actually ends up being the only goal of the game. Uh, West has a great chance in the second half, uh, penalty in the box gives them a, a basically a penalty free kick, um, and. Uh, you know they they take it. Brian Andres De, De Lara takes the kick for 
Shawnee Mission West, but uh, Olathe East goalkeeper Gabe Liston guesses right. And he said, you know, a lot of times it's, it is just a guess. You're either going to go right, you're going to go left. You just kind of kind of pl- have to play a hunch. He played it right, uh, makes a great diving save, uh, deflects the ball out. They don't get a rebound shot on it. And then East, you know, kind of fights off uh, some West charges at the end to get the get the state championship. It was the fifth in history for for Olathe East, uh, they they um, are one, really one of the strong programs. Keely O'Grady, a longtime assistant coach this year, first year head head coach for the program, uh, gets them their title, uh, the first one since 2018 for Olathe East. And so they finish the season 17-4 and 0. Shawnee Mission West takes second, finishing the season. Uh, 15-4-2 and two in the third place match. Washburn Rural gets a header from Griffin Heinen late in the game to beat uh, to beat Dodge City 2-1 in the third place match. So Washburn Rural finishes the season 19-2-0 and and Dodge City finishes the season 18-3-0. So Lathe East wins the fifth title in program history, first since 2018 by taking the Class 6A state title with a 1-0 victory over Shawnee Mission West. And then Class 5A and 4A, we saw some repeat champions at both of those instead of a new one like we had in 6A. And Class 5A was held at Spring Hill, and and the state championship game was uh, a lot, a pretty familiar sight, uh, Mac. Yeah, you had uh, this is the third straight year of uh, Mays South and, and Blue Valley Southwest facing off. And uh, for, for Mays South, they get their second straight state title that, uh, I mean, just caps off uh two amazing seasons uh for the Mavs uh, they went 21 and 0 this year uh went 21 and 0 last year to 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 win it so uh just that 41 and 1 stretch and then if you go that 3 years with uh the first year being Blue Valley Southwest beating them by one goal so they were one away from it being a three-peat uh they were 59-2 and 1 over that three-year stretch so may south has been pretty amazing they cap it off with uh what ended up being a second half thriller uh first half uh between may south and blue valley southwest just uh, a, a lot of uh great defense and then uh offense that found opportunities but just couldn't get one put away so finish the first half zero zero tie and then uh as you're getting going there late uh you know about halfway through the the second half uh that's when uh what we expected to happen happened and that's uh vitor jeremel uh hitting uh, one more goal, uh, pushing out that all-time uh, lead uh, for most goals in state history out to 130. Uh, he gets them up 1-0, and, uh, you know, for a while it looked like they were going to, you know, keep Blue Valley Southwest just off the board and keep it there, but uh, uh, eventually uh, they end up getting a pass uh, forward, got their uh, wingers loose, and, and were able to uh, end up getting the ball up to Crew Alvarez, uh, who ends up getting pulled down to, to set up a penalty kick. Uh, so uh, it, it was very interesting to watch because uh, as – my morning brain forgot to mention how Vitor scored his goal. His was also a penalty kick. He had two defenders basically clutched over each shoulder. He had two more coming after him as he got the ball just inside the penalty box. Uh, and he goes for the Vitor special, which is uh, he knew he couldn't keep the ball from those guys without doing something special. So he kicks the ball over his head and plans to spin around and run past them. And, uh, 
you know, Blue Valley Southwest wasn't having any of that. So one of the players just handballed it on purpose, just knocked it away. And uh, that uh, refs end up calling that for a, to set up a, a penalty kick for uh, Vitor. And he just, uh, you know, no chance of, of stopping that one. He sends that one in the back of the net. Well, Crew Alvarez's penalty kick uh, about 10 minutes later looked almost identical. And Crew's a lefty, so it was basically just in reverse. I, I felt like I was just, it was deja vu watching first Vitor score his and run with his team along the sideline. And I got a good photo of that one. And I was like, all right, I'll go to the other side and see what they can do. And Crew Alvarez hits it in with that left foot spins the other direction comes back across to his fan section uh you know they were both having a great time but uh the one difference was it took a little bit longer for blue valley southwest to to uh respond uh it took no time for may south to to respond to that goal for from blue valley southwest within about a minute before i had tweeted out the the fancy photo i got a crew alvarez uh they had set up a a free kick that ends up ricocheting off and uh who does it find but caden Wade uh senior defender uh ends up getting the header on it knocks it in they go up 2-1 and are able to hold on to the end and uh that one was a fun story because uh you know of these seniors and uh i'd have to go back and count through but god it's a, a lot for this team uh I'm trying to look at this list right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Double digits of, of seniors on this May South crew. And uh, none, uh, no relationship more special than uh, Vitor Jeremel and Caden Waite. Uh, they said that they had been playing since they were first graders and they would play at recess on the sand. You know, and I asked if uh, Vitor had always been just that good at scoring. He said, of course, but also uh, Vitor gave the credit to Caden for being one of these uh, teammates that he's had that's really pushed him in practice to keep improving his skills and get to the point where you can become good enough to become Kansas' all-time leading scorer. But uh, uh, just seemed like a strange twist of fate that uh, Caden, as this defender, got the chance to uh, be the one who scored that final goal. And it kind of happened by happenstance. Uh, uh, Blue Valley Southwest decided not to put a player back with him, and he's like, okay, I'll roll up into the uh, penalty box for this free kick and uh, ends up being in the right place right time to hit that header in but uh a crazy uh performance there great story for for may south getting that and you know i tried to ask uh the both of those two seniors that scored uh if they felt like beating blue valley southwest meant more to them because uh obviously uh they lost them as sophomores trying to get that first day title three years ago, but also uh, this May South team had lost to them in the finals twice before in, in I believe, 2018, 2019. Uh, so uh, just having that history, and they said to them it didn't matter. It was just another great opponent. But, uh, you know, Vitor definitely said that uh, for their coach, for Ray Ramirez, being able to break through, and and, and for, for Ramirez, he credits Blue Valley Southwest and, and all the other teams they've faced in, in that path, even before they won their first state title last year, just facing these top teams uh, from around the state and improving not just their players in that time, but the confidence that's grew in their coaching staff of getting better and knowing uh, how to perform in these moments. And that's allowed them to have this two-year stretch of, of dominance in 5A. So uh, great moment 
moment for them. And then uh, in that third place game, uh, it was Salinas South overcoming a 2-0 deficit, uh, scored one in the uh, first half to, to cut it down, and then one in the second half, setting up an overtime where uh, Seth Flores ends up breaking free and, and finding the back of the net for them to celebrate. And uh, amazing year for Salinas South. We mentioned them being uh, one of the surprise teams of those four that made it to state and uh, they end up getting a nice surprise to finish it off and had very a lot of fun celebrating that third place finish I love seeing third place games where they fight just as hard uh, as they would if they were in the final so uh, that's how 5a went down I, I do want to hit one more thing and I'll let Brent respond to it because uh, I decided to ask coach Ramirez one question about uh, when you know, we were talking on the podcast a few weeks ago and Brent mentioned that as soon as he started doing the score updates of, of uh, Jeremel and uh, Isaiah Morris and their back and forth for that scoring title, he said he felt like maybe maybe they were pushing a little more. Maybe Vitor was trying to go for those hat tricks a little bit more. And Ramirez said, absolutely wrong. He said, dead wrong, Brent. Specifically, Brent, you were dead. No, I had to mention that Brent said this, but uh, he said that at no point did uh, Vitor ever really change what he's doing. Obviously, he's a great scorer and he get that done, but uh, he is so much uh, about uh, team over those individual accolades and, you know, Coach Ramirez mentioned that uh, Jeremel is way more excited to see uh, one of his teammates score than he is to score himself and uh, definitely saw that with he he got a nice roar when he scored but he also turned the page really quickly and got focused back on the match uh, there was no stopping him from getting excited when Caden Waite knocked in that header to to give them the the go-ahead goal uh, but also in talking with Vitor he, he he said that you know first thing out of his mouth when I asked about the record was just that's nice I'm happy that we won two straight state titles. So all I wanted to say is Brent's wrong. And then Brent, you can uh, follow up and apologize if you want to. Well, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again, but yeah, I, I and, and in watching, I got to watch the five, a tournament last year and then Vitor's character definitely always shows through in that regard. I mean, he, he always was one of those guys that in just in watching him last year, you know, it was, it was all about team. I mean, it was never about himself and that, that's what really makes him great is that he he can he can stand out as as much as he does while really being the consummate team player. I mean, it's just his his abilities are just off, off, so off the chart that he doesn't he doesn't have to try to be selfish. It, it just comes to him so naturally to just be that good and and that much above uh, you know almost everybody else that he plays and and uh, so I, I mean it was it was kind of tongue in cheek when I when I said that uh, I I really was motivating Vitor to to go on this tear but uh, Vitor couldn't help but go on this tear because that's where who Vitor is I mean he's just he's just that special of a talent he just signed with Clemson uh, yesterday to go continue his soccer career out there and. And, uh, you know, we've had some great ones in the Kansas City area here in recent years, uh, just some really, really outstanding players. But I think Vitor ranks right up there with uh, as good as, as good as this state's ever produced. Um, and obviously the record it, there, is there to, to validate that, but I, he didn't need validation. I mean, he could have. He could have not finished with the record and still be considered one of the all-time greats this state has ever seen. And, you know, Scott can speak to that more because he's seen him play a lot more. And I'll let Scott take it over, and then he can talk about the 4A state tournament. But, I mean, Vitor is just a special talent and special individual, period. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And it just like you said, watching him play the last couple of years, you he he is just a, a very selfless kid. He's he he's you know, I I I liken it to you hear you you hear the phrase everybody plays chess, everybody else is playing checkers, and that's that's where you really see it with Vitor. He's just a, a kind of a player or two ahead of, of what's going on and and uh um you know and when you're when you play that way these things happen these these records happen and and uh uh you know he certainly had a great great supporting cast around him a uh, very experienced team and uh uh you know but i i'm sure there are a lot of coach a lot of opposing coaches rejoicing after yesterday's uh uh seeing vidor sign that letter of intent uh, with clemson and it'll be fun to watch him to see uh, you know, obviously, like you said, Brent, one of the one of the best the state has produced, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he carries it forward uh, at a really good program uh, in the ACC with Clemson. So, uh, you know, so so May South loses a lot from from this back to back championship team, and and kind of flipping over to four class four through one A, uh, Bishop Miege with three seniors on its state roster. Um, all they happen to do is tie a state record, uh, winning their eighth consecutive uh, state title. That matches St. Thomas Aquinas's run in 6A and 5A from from 2003 to 2010. Uh, the Stags defeat Bishop Ward 5-2 to in the championship match uh, at Wichita Striker Complex. And and uh, 12th state title for Miege and Coach Nate for Coach Nate Huppy. He's, he's uh, been fortunate to be a part of all 20 uh, state championships that Miege has won in, in boys and girls soccer. Uh, starting with the the two he won playing for his father Joe back in 1998 and, and 2000, so uh, he was very happy. He very proud of that fact, and and he had a just another another great team. Like I said, three only three seniors on the state roster. One of them's a very good one though, Cooper Green. Uh, he was the four four through one A forward of the year last year. He has a couple assists in in the in the match against uh, Bishop Ward, and and uh, you know after about 25 scoreless minutes, uh, Miege uh, played. Just seven incredible minutes of soccer to to take a three nothing lead in the first half and uh, three just really nice goals. Uh, sophomore Wyatt Gar ends up with two goals and and so um, you know a little a little look at the future to come for Miage. I think uh, Gar probably took uh, took took the reins from Green uh, on Saturday in that championship game and uh, Cooper got a lot of attention from Bishop Ward's defense and but still found a way to. To slip in a couple passes, uh, one to Grant Billmere uh, for the for the first goal that Miege had, and and then another senior, Austin Lopez, uh, with a perfectly executed free kick, just curled it really nicely into the upper left part of the net uh, to make it two nothing, and then Gar scored his first goal to make it three. So uh, Bishop Ward played really spirited in the first twenty five minutes, beat 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 Miege to a lot of fifty fifty balls, and and. Uh, uh, had trouble generating much offense, and once Ward or once Miege, you know, had the wind or they had the wind at their back, and and once they get, got the attacks going, it was just kind of an avalanche, and you really saw the skill that Miege plays with, and and uh, so they go up three nothing. Ward, uh, you know, for a first time finalist, that's I guess we we need to kind of I need to backtrack there. You know, Bishop Ward made it to the state championship uh, for the first time. Uh, they were the newcomer to the semifinals from from last year's four through one A field, and. And uh, uh, Ward made it into the championship match by outlasting McPherson uh, in a penalty kick shootout on uh, last Friday down here in Wichita. Uh, the teams were scoreless after 100 minutes after the regulation and, and then went to the penalty round and then nobody could be stopped. It ended up being seven to six. Uh, Ward takes the, the shootout, uh, which re- required extra kicks. 
uh, Coach Tony Subasic said he was worried that he'd have 11 guys ready to go uh, for Saturday just because of the kind of the, the grind that, that the Cyclones went through to get to that championship match. But they, they represented themselves very well. Um, got a couple second-half goals to, to – to, you know, to stay in the fight, and, and uh, they finished their best season ever at 17-4. and Miege um, finishes 17-4 and four as well. They defeat Wichita Trinity in the semifinals to get to the, to the championship match. Uh, a hard-fought game, one to nothing. Uh, got a goal with 23 minutes left uh, by Paul Rodriguez on a free kick. And, uh, you know, it was Miege, Trinity, round five. Those teams have played uh, five consecutive years in either the finals or semifinals, and Miege wins them all. Uh, it's now part of a 40-game postseason winning streak for Miege, which is just a – that's an unfathomable record. I mean, it's – it's uh, um, you know, it speaks to the, the level of play that uh, that Miege features, uh, you know, season to season. And, and uh, so they're starting to put up some astounding numbers. And, and, you know, now they've got – now that they've tied Aquinas, it really uh, kind of lends itself to looking down the road. And, and I think the Stags will, you know, with, with as much as they've got coming back – uh, will be a, a strong favorite to, to make a run at, at a record-setting uh, ninth straight title. So uh, congratulations to Miege uh, on winning its eighth consecutive 4-1A through 1A title. Uh, as I said, Coach Tate, Nate Huppy with his, his 20th as, a, as either a player uh, or coach and, and uh, another outstanding season for the Stags. Absolutely. Uh, so congratulations to our boys' state stalker champs this year, Olathe East in Class 6A. Mays South in Class 5A, and Bishop Miege in Class 4 through 1A. That'll put a wrap on soccer, and then our next championship will be uh, this coming Tuesday, uh, Unified Bowling, which is in its third year in Kansas. Uh, They will have their state championships. Uh, We've started regionals this week. We had two regionals held yesterday. Uh, Five teams from each of those two regionals will make it, two more being uh, contested on Thursday, uh, the day we're taping this, so we don't know the other half of the field that's going to make it in, but here's who's made it so far. Uh, at the Blue Valley West Regional, you had Olathe East was the champion there with an 873 series. Olathe West was 10 pins behind with an 863. Chanute qualifies third with an 817. Blue Valley Northwest, uh, fourth, 739. And then Olathe Northwest was fifth with a 710. So those are the five schools that advance out of the Blue Valley West Regional. And then the other regional was held over here in Washburn Rural over at Westridge Lane, Washburn Rural being the host school. And your champion there was Lawrence with the 796 series. Second was Washburn Rural with a 726. Seaman third, 711. Uh, Topeka West fourth with a 700. And then Free State gets in fifth with a 640. So those are your five qualifiers from that regional. Two more regionals being held today. Uh, Shawnee Mission West and Hutchinson are the hosts of those regionals. Uh, five teams will advance each out of those regionals, and then state will be held next Tuesday in Topeka at Westridge Lanes, and I'll be out there to cover that next Tuesday. And, and uh, Shawnee Mission East was the defending state champion in unified bowling. I believe Eisenhower won it two years ago in the inaugural one. So um, we'll look and see who gets qualified. Uh, both of those programs, I'm guessing, will be right there in the thick of things again, trying to come out of their regionals, and then we'll see uh, – See who's who's got a shot, but Olathe East and Olathe West really good scores, eight seventy three and eight sixty three uh, yesterday. You know, Olathe East girls won the Class Six A state title last year. Uh, Washburn Rural's boys were state champions last year, and so you know those two programs. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how many of their 
bowlers are are participating in unified bowling. You get a couple that that typically uh, tend to meander over there and get kind of tuned up for their season by competing in unified bowling. But it's it's really a fun event to go out and watch watch these uh, watch these unified bowlers get together. The Special Olympics partners with it and does a really great job of of uh, of putting this on. And and it's fun to watch. Uh, it's fun to watch the excitement on these kids that that don't get a chance to participate in in other sports and and do other things and they, and they just have a they have a ball with it and if they get a, a spare or a strike uh the excitement level is is quite uh quite something to behold they just they really get into it and it's really fun to to get out there and watch them so if, if you happen to be in topeka next next uh next tuesday around one o'clock and want to take in some pretty exciting uh pretty exciting stuff uh, the unified state bowling tournament will be held uh next tuesday at westridge lanes in topeka and we will look forward to covering that on Keisha Covered as well. And then uh, lastly, we're, you know, we're right in the thick of the football playoffs. We've had two rounds of playoffs so far, and we've had, had some surprises out there. We've had some defending champions already get knocked out. Um, we got some defending champions looking really good, like they're on their way to repeating. But, uh, you know, this week we have the it's called the sectional round. I like, I'm a traditionalist. I like to call it the quarterfinals. It's a, it's a tournament. So let's call it a quarterfinals. Uh, but it's called the sectional round by, by those who, uh, those who are in charge. And so, uh, we can kind of go look at, uh, maybe take a look at each class real quick here and maybe go over some of the, some of the best games, uh, in class six, a, you've got, uh, blue Valley Northwest six and four. We'll be traveling to Gardner Edgerton nine and one. Blue Valley six and four traveling to Olathe North nine and one, uh, Wichita East travel eight and two traveling to Washburn Rural and then Derby nine and one traveling to Manhattan nine and one and you know Mac looking at the east side uh, you know can either of these Blue Valley teams who you know are very, really came into the postseason at five with five hundred records can they give these uh, Gardner Edgerton or Olathe North a run for their money in those games. Well, I think you're asking the wrong person because I hold my breath for uh, the 16 seeds to knock off the one seeds in the first round, just in case. I believe anything is possible. Uh, with, but even when you get past my uh, level of optimism or willingness to believe anything can happen, then it comes to what's the most likely uh, outcome. And, you know, I think obviously looking at how Gardner Edgerton and, and Olathe North have, have played this year, uh, I'd imagine them end up winning this week and facing off next week for uh, a rematch that will, you know, potentially uh, be the first time they get to face each other as at full strength as Olathe North uh, lost to Gardner Edgerton earlier in the year with TJ Porter out of the game. But uh, to get there, it's not going to be easy. Both teams have challengers that, uh, you know, have a lot of talent on the team, even if they haven't had quite the the dominant seasons that the two teams I just mentioned have. Looking first, Blue Valley Northwest, honestly, uh, there's a lot of similarities between Gardner Edgerton's run uh, this year and what Blue Valley Northwest did two years ago when they won their first uh, football state title. Uh, you know, you have uh, a team that uh, has a dual threat quarterback that even though the team is built to 
go ground and pound, if they need to have those highlight reel plays downfield in the passing game, uh, the quarterback is capable of it. Uh, Braven Powell has been tremendous this year. He leads uh, the Trailblazers in both passing and rushing. And, you know, with having both uh, Randy Singleton and uh, Colton Hawkinson to throw the ball to, I mean, it's not the Gardner Edgerton that we even saw last year as they just uh, only ran the ball as they made it into the, the state championship and, and ended up walking away one play short of uh, their first state title. So uh, they come back this year and have been not only just a completely different dynamic on offense, uh, on defense, uh, I mean, they've been tremendous. Uh, they average 40 points a game, uh, have held opponents to 8.6 that is going to be very difficult for for any team to to overcome. But you know, look for this Blue Valley Northwest team that uh, doesn't quite look like they did a couple of years ago when they won it all. But uh, you have senior Nate Livingston trying to do his best impersonation of Mikey Pauley. Uh, he's a dual threat quarterback too that has uh, uh, had twelve hundred passing yards, thirteen touchdowns, and uh, leads his team with 869 uh, rushing yards and, and, and 10 rushing touchdowns, but uh, he's not the the, the actual uh, rush leader for the team. Uh, Levy Pullum uh, is the, the running back who's gone over 1,000 yards and, and, and 10 scores of his own. Uh, and so, you know, those two have been a one-two punch that's been pretty great. And, uh, you know, throwing out to the outside, Trevor Garlington and, and Gavin Hoffman. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, the Gardner-Edgerton defense, Blue Valley Northwest defense has been been uh, pretty good with with two really talented players and senior linebacker Logan Holthouse and uh, senior safety Trey Ridley. Uh, I've seen very few kids make the type of plays that Trey Ridley has uh, just very instinctual and can make whether it's a, a sack in the backfield, whether it's an interception uh, that he's more than capable of taking to the house. I mean, he could change uh, a game on a dime. So when you have those type of players for Blue Valley Northwest, it won't just be as easy as Gardner Edgerton walking into the uh, state semifinals. So uh, you got to be careful there. And then for for Blue Valley, that's a team that is maybe the hottest in the state uh, over the last uh, three weeks. I mean, they had a slow start to the year as they were trying to put it together and kind of find their identity. But uh, Blue Valley senior running back, uh, John Price uh, is he, uh, such a talented runner. He's got 913 rushing yards this year with uh, eight touchdowns. And, uh, you know, just having him on the offensive side. And then uh, I think maybe for, for Blue Valley, I, I was mentioning how much uh, defense is so important, but it's really important for, for the Tigers because, uh, you know, this year uh, when when they've been able to, to – keep teams off the board uh you know they've been able to 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 get these wins and and they've ratcheted up over the last few weeks uh junior linebacker mcguire richmond and senior safety martel buchanan uh both have over 100 tackles this year uh Lincoln uh, Stuvey and, and Dawson Merritt uh, have been players that have constantly just disrupted plays in the backfield, combined for 13 sacks, 25 quarterback hurries, and 33 tackles. Uh, when you have players like that, it should be able to uh, have the chance to slow down Olathe North. But honestly, with uh, TJ Porter looking like he's healthy after missing a couple games uh, in the middle of the season, uh there's very few defenses that can slow 
that Olathe North uh, offensive attack down when when Porter's going full speed. Short guy that uh, also has power, uh, very hard to bring down, very hard to catch in the open field. Uh, this year, junior quarterback Jamison Sarver took over uh, as the the starter at. at for as signal caller for for the Eagles and uh he's not uh been the most dynamic of a rushing threat but still is able to to keep that offense where you have to uh you know just keep in mind that the quarterback can take off through uh 148 rushing yards uh this year but you also have Aiden Bruce play in a similar role to the we saw uh the uh the Parrish brothers have at different times in that offense where uh, sure he's a wide receiver, but also has over 300 rushing yards and, and 10 rushing touchdowns, uh, has 500 receiving yards. So uh, they're definitely a, a very dynamic offense. And then their defense has been pretty good too, led by senior linebacker Nathan Gunderson uh, and, and a very talented front seven with guys like Jacob Vosk, Guez and and Andrew Yarnell. So uh, when you you look at that, just it it's a very talented group, and I I would lean to it's very likely that Gardner Edgerton and Olathe North keep uh, this uh, their strong seasons going and are able to get the job done. But uh, you just never know with with high school football, and uh, they're definitely these are not easy matchups for either of those teams. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, you know Gardner Edgerton was one of those teams that kind of showed that last year you know they got hot in the postseason and, and ran through that 6a east bracket and and really was somebody that nobody was really talking a whole lot about going into the uh going into the state playoffs and they end up uh, you know coming out of the out of the east so uh, i certainly think both those six and four teams definitely have a shot at uh at pulling an upset here and then in the west you know we got two rematches from season openers uh scott and, and looking at wichita east and washburn rural you know the first game was 26 25 Washburn Rural blocks an extra point to to hold on and get the win, and then uh, Derby and Manhattan also played in the season opener, and and Manhattan won that one fairly handily, uh, you know, beat winning that game. But uh, you know, I think uh, we could definitely see some interesting stuff in in the rematches on Friday night. Yeah, you know, anytime you get those rematches, and you've got teams that that are pretty similar caliber, I think that second matchup, um, well, we just saw it last week down here with Wichita East, Wichita East. Uh, uh, of course, won one of the crazy games of the year uh, against Wichita Northwest back in September uh, when MJ White raced in from 30 yards out with a, a botched field goal snap on the game's final play. And that was East's first win over Wichita Northwest in, in 29 years. And, and so they got a, they got the rematch with Northwest last week. And, and uh, uh, you know, it was very much kind of a prove-it game. I'm talking to, to running back Ravel Leak. I went out to that game uh, on Friday in Wichita East. Uh, didn't just prove it. I mean, they they really they proved it in in a big way. They they uh, defeat Northwest for the second time this season, uh, ending the Grizzly season with a forty eight twenty eight victory. And and Leak scored three second second half touchdowns in that one. Uh, you know, so the the rematch tour continues for East. And and uh, you know, you mentioned that Rural had, had won that first meeting in the season opener against East with the block Dexter point. It's kind of that's kind of you know Rural Rural hasn't played a lot of close games. But the ones they have, you know, they've done what they need to do down the stretch. And I think that that, but that, you know, you, the proof's in the pudding. They're ten and zero, and that's why they're hosting this game. And but uh, I think East comes in with a lot of confidence. You know, they they've got a, a veteran group. Deontay Mitchell is an outstanding quarterback, and he's got good targets to throw to in in MJ White and, and LT Robinson. 
those guys were sensational against Northwest last Friday. And uh, I think that, I, you know, it was a one-point game the first time. I think it's just going to be a fabulous matchup. I'm, I'm really uh, intrigued to, 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 mo- to monitor that score on Friday night. I think, like, Rural's an outstanding team, particularly, you know, with what they've done defensively. Uh, East really brings the offensive weapons and, and, and – you know they gave up 28 to Northwest the other night, but but uh, defensively they shut they shut uh, Northwest out into the third quarter. And and anybody knows the history of Wichita Northwest football. That is a team that scores and scores and scores. And they were looking for their first touchdown, uh, you know, midway through the third quarter on their home field against East the other night. So that tells that tells me all I need to know about how the Aces are playing and how complete they're playing. And then you go over uh, to that. You know, Derby is going to go up to Manhattan for the second time this season, and and like you said, Manhattan kind of handled that handled business in that first game. Uh, Carter Aslan, the quarterback, had an outstanding game uh, for Manhattan that night. I think it had about 340 total yards of offense between running and passing, and and uh, you know, Derby Derby comes in, you know, off of probably one of its best performances of the year. They've had Lawrence's number in playoffs, and and uh, they really put it on the Lions last week, 48 to six. One real key thing for them is uh, Coach Braxton or Brandon Clark's son Braxton uh, is, has rejoined the 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 offensive unit after setting out four games with a lacerated kidney that he he suffered in the in the Hutchinson game and and he's been really efficient. Uh, I think I think he had uh, completed sixteen or nineteen passes in 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 one of those playoff games and. Uh, you know, Easton Splane did a great job in relief for Derby uh, when when Clark was hurt, but but now they've got they've got you know that 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 first unit is back together and and uh, uh, Derby really played well on Friday. I would expect maybe a little tighter mat, a tighter game with Manhattan. Uh, you know, man, but Manhattan is still the the reigning champ, and and uh, um, I know Derby's going to be looking at that one as as to to. To be the champ, you're gonna to have to beat the champ, and and uh, so that'll be an interesting, uh, interesting matchup uh, on Friday at Seco Park in Manhattan. Yeah, you know, and that's the role that Derby's played all these years. They, they've been the the champ that people had to had to beat to go become the champion, and you know they missed out on the title game last year, and that was a rarity for the Derby program. So I'm sure they're hungry to get back. Uh, you know, Manhattan's had a, had a solid year. The, their only loss came to Washburn Rural in a one-score game, and, and it was a, a great one that went right down to the last play. Uh, uh, Manhattan had a screen pass that, that uh, looked like the guy might take it in for a touchdown, but Rural makes the stop at like the five-yard line, some, somewhere inside the 10, to preserve the win. And Rural's defense is really kind of what sets them apart. You know, they graduated Ty Weber who was the all-time leading tackler for the program and a standout linebacker, just an absolute tackling machine. But they've got a couple, couple guys that are back there this year, the the, the Heim twins, uh, JC and Jaron, who have just had tremendous years. It seems like every week one of them's getting a pick six or an interception or a, a fumble recovery or or some kind of game play, game-changing play uh, on their defense. And so they, that defense is really what kind of carries rural. Their offense has been solid. Branton DeWeese, a third-year starter at quarterback, had a nice year, but their offensive numbers really don't, aren't flashy, blow-you-away kind of numbers. But uh, but they're, they're what they need them to be with the defense that they've got. You know, go out, don't do not do things to beat ourselves and let our defense really, uh, really control the way the game goes. And so uh, I think those are two tremendous matchups, and uh, it certainly won't shock me if we see the the scripts flipped a little bit this week in, in 6a west so uh some great games in class 6a and then we'll turn now to class 5a on the east side we have 
uh, Seaman, our upset special in, in Class 5A. They uh, they knock off number one seed DeSoto last week, 31-28. to They're 6-4, and four, and they'll take on four-time defending champion Mill Valley, which is 8-2. and two. Uh, Shawnee Heights, also out of the United Kansas Conference. They're 8-2, and two, having one of their best seasons they've had in quite a while. Uh, they're going to Blue Valley Southwest, which is 9-1, and one, and just having an absolutely dynamic season. But on the west side, you got May South and Cape and Mount Carmel. May South, 8-2. and two goes to Cape and Mount Carmel, which is nine and one. And then Mays, which is a, you know, a team that we're used to seeing deep in the postseason, but uh, you know, they, they kind of went through, through it a little bit this year uh, at, uh, and uh, took some losses, had some injuries early that, that kind of set them back, but they're starting to play their best ball. They knock off liberal last week, they're five and five and they travel to Eisenhower, which is having its best season ever in program history. And Scott, we'll start out West real quick with this one. Um, you know, Mays, you know, they're a team, like we said, they've been in this, in this championship uh, game the past couple of years, but you know, that was with Avery Johnson. And this year they were going to have to find a new identity, uh, for their team. And it, it took them a little while to get there. Yeah, it did. And it's, you know, how in the world does a, a team that's played in the last two championship games end up being, uh, being a Cinderella candidate. And I think that's kind of where we've arrived at with Mays and, and, uh, um, you know, they're sitting at five and five. And I saw them at probably at their low point when they were dealing with a lot of injuries. Uh, they didn't have Drew Camp available against their rival May South and, and in the game that they played at Wichita's Riverfront Stadium. And, and uh, it took a toll. May South really rolled them 47 nothing that night. And I, I saw no playoff run in May's future that night. And, and I'm not sure, you know, if you give the Eagles a truth serum, I'm not sure they would have seen a, a good playoff run. Uh, coming as well, but they've gotten healthy to a degree, and and uh, that that win against Goddard was a real uh, eye opener because they not only won that game, uh, you know, they won it thirty one to twenty two, but they were up thirty one nothing at halftime against Goddard, and that was a Goddard team that had had given Eisenhower its first loss uh, in week eight, so it uh, um, that was one that gave you pause and in a in a result that that showed that hey this. This Mays team may not have Avery Johnson, but they've still got a few weapons running around there. And, and uh, so a very dangerous team. It'll be a, an interesting test for Eisenhower, who's at, which, as you said, is having its best season uh, in school history. And and uh, an interesting matchup. I mean, it's one of those, if you go with the transitive property of, of, of Goddard, you know, Goddard beats Eisenhower, Mays beats Goddard. Well, you got to think this this five and five Mays team will have a chance against Eisenhower. But Eisenhower is very good, and they they've kind of righted the ship after that loss to Goddard, and and uh, uh, you know handled Andover in the first round of the playoffs, and then and then really put it on Hayes last week, forty one to seven uh, in, in the in the second round, and and uh, you know so I I think Eisenhower you know, will be a definite favorite in this one. Um, you know, they they have really good balance in their offense. Quarterback uh, Derek Morgan and, and running back Lucas Dickman uh, kind of give that passing and running balance. And then wide receiver Carter Paps is, is Morgan's favorite target and, and a real weapon. So, um, you know, it's – I 5A West is delivered. I mean, Mill Valley – once we get to the title game, Mill Valley's the team. You know they're they're the king of the mountain right now. But Five A West has seemed to d- deliver the last few years, and I expect a, a really good matchup with Mays and, and Eisenhower. And then on the 
on the other side here in, in the West, and I'll, I'll touch on this one real quickly. I think May South and Capen could be a could be one of the better games that that uh, we'll see on Friday night. Uh, real a lot of experience on the field with that one, but but uh, to be truthful, both teams are very fortunate to be there. Uh, Cape and Mount Carmel got a great test from Great Bend last Friday. Uh, they played that game because the soccer tournament was going on at uh, Striker. Uh, Cape and home field. They play that down on Wichita Southeast, which is where this this May South game will be uh, on Friday. Cape and holds off Great Bend 36-34 the the other night. Uh, got a got a big performance from uh, their star running back Omari Elias. He ran it 51 times, uh, scored three touchdowns, 261 rushing yards, and they needed every one of you know every one of those yards because Great Bend came with a really good plan, made a couple early mistakes with interceptions early, but their passing game. Uh, really open, you know, open some things up against Capen, and I think that's, you know, while Capen is the one seed, uh, if May South can can find a way, you know, they've, and they've got a great quarterback and Tate McNew and good targets and uh, really good targets and, and Sammy Dressy uh, and Landon Gatto, uh, good running back and Braxton Bigley, they've got a really good balanced offense, um, you know, but but May South was down twenty to nothing against Hutchinson and had to come back and win that one twenty one twenty. So, so two teams that are very fortunate to be here Friday night, but two teams that I think could could provide one of the better uh, better quarterfinal matchups uh, in any class. Yeah, and then looking at the east side of the state, uh, you know, my my teams are going to go in as a little bit of underdogs, uh, not just a little bit, probably pretty serious underdogs uh, when you look at uh, Seaman getting there. Uh, you know, going into the playoffs four and four, they knock off Casey Washington in the first round, and then then stun uh, stun DeSoto. You know, they were down twenty one to seven in that game, come back and get that get a thirty one twenty eight victory. Uh, Max Houston and and Callen Barta have been just a dynamic pass catch combo all season, and they they really sparked that comeback. And then Shawnee Heights has had a had a really nice season, um, and they run into Blue Valley Southwest and and Mac. You know, you got the powers that be over here on the east side of the state. Is there anything uh, that's going to deny us getting a, a what could be an awesome semifinal in Mill Valley, Blue Valley Southwest? I won't repeat my spiel from last time, but you know how I feel. Uh, Mill, Mill Valley, I think, might be the most vulnerable they've been throughout this uh, not just four year run, but uh, you know over the uh, you know last decade of dominance in 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 five A. Uh, that said. Uh, other than having, you know, one of the worst loss in the Joel Appleby era uh, with that 49 to 10 loss to, to Gardner Edgerton. And then uh, later in the year in, in week seven, losing 28 to 14 to, to Olathe North. I mean, again, those are two teams that we just talked about being, uh, you know, pretty strong uh, favorites to, to make it to the state semifinals uh in 6a so uh those aren't bad losses and in the rest of the time they have rolled everybody else uh they've faced including uh, a 56 to 7 win over spring hill last week and uh you know this is a, a team that looks a little bit different because when you have to replace a, a quarterback uh like hayden jay uh you know it, it's hard to figure out how do you get somebody that can throw the ball and run the ball and do that and keep this uh offense rolling and uh, you know, their decision was to try to find two players who could try to uh, work together to, to meet what Jay was accomplishing. And that's been senior Daniel Blaine and, and junior uh, Connor Bohan. And, and, and uh, you know, those two have just swapped quarterback duties all season. And, uh, you know, still are, it's just a, nowhere near the kind of passing offense that we've seen uh, with uh, the Jaguars over the last few years. But uh, in terms of what they can get done, uh, you know, running the ball – 
they've been able to add enough to go along with uh, senior running back Tristan Baker, who's been kind of this Christian McCaffrey type majority of the offensive production, leads him in both rushing and receiving, uh, has uh, over 1,300 yards this year and and, and 18 touchdowns. Um, but really that offense, you know, it, it, they're trying to do just enough because really it's the defense that has been uh, the, the key for them. And, and that has probably been the case throughout this uh, Jaguars uh, dynasty is uh, just been what that defense can do. And even this year as they've had to, uh, you know, re- replace their defensive coordinator as he goes and takes over the Blue Valley North job. Uh you, you you know just because you have that change doesn't mean anything changed with this defense uh junior Jaden Woods along that defensive line uh has been crazy good four and a half sacks nine quarterback hurries and and 10 ta- tackles for loss this year uh you throw in uh senior linebacker Evan Seifert and uh senior defensive lineman Sam Coletti and uh you know that's just a group that consistently gets in the backfield causes havoc uh and you know you you look at just kind of how good they've been even just a little bit from the offense have been able to to get them through and I have to imagine that makes it a pretty good chance they'll be able to 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 do the same against uh Topeka Seaman this week it'll be more if they end up running into a Blue Valley Southwest next week where last year they uh skunked Blue Valley Southwest in that same state semifinal game 63 to 0 but Blue Valley Southwest looks better on both sides of the ball this year so if that ends up being the matchup uh and it very well could be uh it'd be very interesting and uh Blue Valley Southwest obviously has to get through Shawnee Heights first, but man, they're you, you mentioned it earlier. They've looked really great this year going to that nine and one record. Uh, same grueling EKL slate that made them only uh, finish the regular season 500 last year. Now to only drop one game to, to Bishop Miege and uh, early on in the year. Uh, but from there, uh, it's just been the Timberwolves dominating opponents, you know, week in and week out. And, uh, it all starts with senior quarterback Dylan Dunn. Uh, he eclipsed 2,500 passing yards for the third straight season. Uh, and then uh, he's just a little bit shy of, of bringing that milestone up just a bit further. He's three yards short of 3,000 passing yards for this season. I imagine he'll get that pretty fast in the Shawnee Heights game. And uh, he's already hit 40 passing touchdowns uh, so far, uh, you know, unless things go sour uh, in, in this one or it, in a couple games after they can keep it going. Uh, he's cut his interception totals in half. It was eight last year. Uh, he's got it down to four. Uh, and, you know, he's got 2,000 yard receivers and Alex Parks and Tate Everard. Uh, you, you have uh, Emmett Peters does have quite as many yards, but uh, all three of those guys are triple digits for touchdown receptions. And uh, the, the big thing for them is, you know, they started the year and uh, senior Drake uh, Dombrowski was their uh, running back, and he ends up uh, going down uh, midway through the year, uh, right after he had one of his best performances. Uh, it went off for, uh, I think, 225 yards, and then it was, I think, it was four touchdowns in the first quarter against Blue Valley Northwest. Uh, but he hasn't played since, and uh, luckily they pulled Quinn Lemons up from the JV squad early in the year. He's a junior that now leads the team in rushing uh, with 400 plus yards and eight rushing touchdowns so uh, they pass a a whole heck of a lot but uh, as you know when you try to stop that it opens up some space uh, to run the ball and you just need uh, off of the line that can uh, get the job done and a running back that can uh, keep 
picking up yards and they lost that first one, but now next man up and they're doing great with that. And then uh, whenever you start scoring early and often like Southwest, the big problem for other teams is, you know, they try to keep pace with their passing attack. Well, Timberwolves are really good at getting to the quarterback and picking the ball off. Uh, They have 18 interceptions this year. Uh, A lot of those same receiver names are also back there in the secondary, including Emmett Peters, who uh, is, is tied with uh, Junior Parker Lindemann for a team high with four interceptions apiece. So uh, when you have that, you have guys like Luke Davis uh, with uh, just constantly getting to the quarterback, senior Gavin Grant, junior Ryan Specht, and and senior Jackson Reddy. Uh, they all have double-digit tackles for loss, so they get the job done in the backfield consistently. And, uh, you know, when you have that defense paired with that offense, that's – pretty good when your uh your hopes are winning a state title so you know i i think uh, my pick my guess would be blue valley southwest and mill valley both get the job done and then face what i would imagine would be a much different game than that 63 to 0 shutout that the jaguars pitched last year so uh it, i think both of these games will be exciting and if what ha- what i think happens happens next week might be even more exciting absolutely look forward to some of those good games there and then class 4a on the east side of the state, we've got Tonganoxie eight and two at Atchison ten and zero, uh, and Baser Linwood seven and three at St. Thomas Aquinas seven and three, and on the west side, Wellington eight and two at Wamigo eight and two, and then McPherson seven and three at Andover Central seven and three, and let's go. We'll stick back in the east with you, Mac, and the upset special uh, showdown is is one we maybe didn't anticipate seeing in Baser Linwood at St. Thomas Aquinas. I think going into last week, if you had asked most people, the the matchup you would have seen this week would have been Lewisburg against Bishop Miege and what you know everybody thought might be one of the best games in 4A on the east side of the state all year. But uh, Baser Linwood and St. Thomas Aquinas both get the upsets last week to uh, really really open things up a little bit in that 4A East bracket. Yeah, and I, I think for me, if if things had gone a little differently, uh, I would always say that Bishop Miege and Aquinas is a coin flip game. It's What was surprising was seeing the bracket come out initially where Bishop Miege is going to go through St. James Academy in the first round, and then second round, Aquinas is going to be waiting for him. That was really the surprise. But, uh, you know, knowing how Aquinas got here, how, you know, they started the season season strong but uh you know in a what was just a thriller but a loss to Rockhurst uh 45 44 uh you know and and that was also the same team that had knocked off Bishop Miege the week before uh you know it, it was I think out of state game you don't take too much from that you know Bishop Miege tried to you know shrug it off hard for Aquinas to do that because they lost both of their top two running backs in that game uh Gianni Rizzi and uh Kalen Arndt uh both end up getting injured and uh Aquinas has to figure out what to do and then along the way you know they uh, not only have those two guys missing uh but then they end up losing two of their starting linemen in sophomore guard Stephen Carroll uh and and uh senior tackle uh Carson Craig so they've just been next man up fill it in and and you know had a rough stretch to end the year and you know I, I think I'd mentioned this to to Brent a few weeks back where uh I, I think it was hard to imagine Aquinas winning mostly because if they could have had what 
most people expect that state semifinal matchup. You get more time to get those guys healthy, get a couple of them back and uh, start to figure it out. And you have a better chance of trying to get that upset, but they had to do it with just Rizzy returning for the first time he gets in the game and just immediately uh, goes off for uh, 146 yards in his first game back. Uh, you know, and in, even that it was a low scoring affair, 14, seven, really the defense just had to do everything possible to slow down what has been a high power Bishop Miege offensive attack this year. Uh, and it, that game still comes down to the, the final uh, series there of Bishop Miege had uh, a fourth down pass go uh, from, from Marco Rodriguez to Howard Peoples in the end zone and three Saints defenders just collapse on him and 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 cause the incompletion and and they hold on for the victory but uh you know it'd be interesting to to see if particularly with Rizzy back in and I think uh coach Dryling said that uh Rizzy was only uh, about 80% ready to go for that one so if he's uh, in better shape this week and you're going up against Baser Luma, they're going to need uh, everything they got because just because, uh, you know, they're not facing that undefeated Lewisburg team that they thought it was going to be, uh, it's it's not a reprieve to get a go up against this uh, Baser Linwood team. Uh, they're playing so well this year uh, that, you know, this is going to be a very tough matchup for for Aquinas to get through and I'll let Brent jump in and and talk about Baser Linwood being able to uh, get to this point because you know uh, a seven and three squad but I mean they've they've had a tremendous season and we've seen a lot of great play from that United uh, KC conference they uh, they're 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 pretty darn good they they've had a lot of good teams and they've made a lot of noise here in the playoffs so far. Yeah, the UKC has really had a had a solid year. You know, DeSoto gets knocked out by one of its own seamen, which they didn't actually get to play in the uh, in the regular season. You know, most of the teams in the league only played seven league games, so Seaman DeSoto didn't get to play each other in the regular season. But you know, Baser they started off zero and two. They lose to Tonganoxie and Piper both early, and then they uh, then they kind of get on a roll. They lose to DeSoto late in the season, but. They've, uh, you know, Rod, Rod Stahlbarmer's always done just a great job over there. Uh, you know, he coached at Linden and had Linden rolling and then moved up to Baser and, and has really made them, you know, arguably they, they've been the top uh, top public school in Class 4A for the last several years. Each of their each of their playoff years uh, here lately, they've, they've had ended by a, by a, a private school, whether it was St. James or Bishop Miege and and uh, so they're 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 looking to finally strike a blow and, and get and get one. And and he said, you know, looking at it this week, he knows Aquinas is going to be tough. It's going to be a it's going to be an ultimate challenge for his team. But it's not playing Miege or St. James, the teams they face. It's somebody new. And so you know, it's it's a it's about a mindset and going in and believing that they can get it done. And last week's win over Lewisburg really should should drive that home that they can. They they came out and and really took on a very good. Lewisburg team that had, you know, Declan Battle and Ashton Moore, two outstanding players for them. But, you know, Baser just was able to get it done in that game and and made all the key plays. They made a, a key stop on the two-point conversion late, uh, stopped Ashton Moore about, you know, less than a foot a foot or so away from got, tying the game. Uh, Caleb Scott makes a stop for them, and, and Scott's been great for them. He's a, you know, he's a defensive standout for them, but they've had so many injuries on the on the offensive side of the ball in their wideout core that he's moved over and is doing double duty this year. And, and uh, you know, Stahlbomber said that he's just really been a lifesaver for the team this year. So Caleb Scott, uh, you know, fitting that he makes the big play in the, in the quarterfinal or in the, in the regional game to, uh, to knock off Lewisburg in that one. And then, you know, Atchison's been a team that's kind of been flying under the radar, even though they're undefeated, 
you know, a lot of it is like, well, are they a by, just a byproduct of a schedule that they play where, you know, the KCK, now the Meadowlark Conference, uh, hasn't traditionally produced uh, teams that have made deep runs in the playoffs. But, you know, Atchison's really had a had a strong year, and they, they went out and, and really put it to Eudora last week in an impressive victory. And so uh, Tonganoxie, a very, uh, very talented team, uh, Colton Bruceman, a, a strong running back for them. Uh, and, and then they've got a good passing game to go along with them. They beat Chanute for the second time this year. Uh, and, and, you know, both tough games with Chanute, and they were able to to win those. So that, that should be a very intriguing game uh, up in Atchison on Friday. And then looking out at the western half of the state, you know, while Migo was the top seed uh, last year, made it to their first ever state championship game, they graduate all kinds of talented guys, especially on the offensive side of the ball. When you look at Hayden Oviatt, Colin Donahue, Hagen Johnson, and Chase Cottom, uh, just all their all their big playmakers from a year ago, and and uh, they came back this year, um, you know, pretty sound on defensive side of the ball. We'll kind of figure things out on offense. So that's kind of how their season's gone. They started with the nineteen seven loss to Clay Center in the first game. Had a little hiccup against Shawnee Heights, the UKC powers we're talking about uh, midway through the season. But Wamigo really playing some good ball, and and they'll have their hands full with the Wellington team coming off a, a really big emotional win last week, Scott, uh, you know, where Wellington really pulls it out of the fire and gets it done to get into the quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah, where we're, uh, Wamigo has really been rolling since that loss to Shawnee Heights. Uh, Wellington seems to be the team that uh, – uh, the closer, the better. They're, they're having one of those years where, where I think they've won five games by single digits, and and uh, the drama, the drama can't be deep enough for them. They they uh, got a touchdown pass with with twelve seconds left from Dusty Bannister to Carter Burnett last week, and and uh, beat Coffeyville twenty seven twenty. And they've just had some wild games. Coach Jeremiah Meeks is in his second season. Uh, at Wellington after after uh, spending six years at Moundridge and and they're just the Crusaders are just having one of those one of those years where if it's a close game uh, they're finding a way to get it done uh, they they uh, won a wild one with Rose Hill earlier this year 54 to 50 uh, Bannister threw for 478 yards so uh, you know th- this will definitely be a bigger challenge I think with Wabigo and and uh, uh, but but it's one of those, if, if Wellington can, can go up to Wamigo and keep it close in the fourth quarter, they certainly seem to know what, what to do. They won a 23-21 game against McPherson, scored a, on a touchdown pass with like three seconds left. So uh, they, they like the drama, and, and uh, Bannister has been, you know, just a really good gunslinger for them uh, this year. And, and uh, Wellington's uh, on a seven-game winning streak. I think that's his longest winning streak they've had since 2000 or yeah, 2004. Um, this is their first time in the quarter in the quarters uh, in I think five years. So uh, a good season for Wellington. It's it's definitely um, you know they they opened the season. Two of their first three games were against Andale and Wichita Collegiate. Uh, so no easy test there, and, and Andale really walloped them in, in the opener. But the, they quickly settled in, and they've had a really good season. And uh, uh, this will this will probably be that level of a test of, of an Andale or a Collegiate for them. And and uh, you know, as, as they circle back into that level of competition, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, the order, other quarterfinal down here in the in the West, <clears throat> McPherson and Andover Central, two teams that really haven't dominated uh, throughout the season, but are just, it, it's really no surprise that these two are, are part of the final eight in, in 4A. They're just really good programs, very well coached. Uh, Jace Pavlovich at, at McPherson, uh, Derek Tuttle at Andover Central. They're both seven and three. Um, McPherson coming off one of the more 
uh, had one of the better indi- better individual performances you'll see in the state last week. Uh, their, their, their senior linebacker, Tegan Haynes, uh, intercepted five passes in a 26-3 win at Bueller, uh, returned two of those for touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Uh, the game was 6-3 to three going after three, and, and Haynes – uh, takes one back 30 yards for a touchdown and and then seals it uh, with a 95 yard interception return uh, that that's those, those five interceptions just one off a of state record uh, the two pick sixes were one off a of state record but but nonetheless just a, a a real difference maker on defense there in, in Tegan Haynes and, and uh, you know McPherson and Andover Central played a few years ago in the semifinals and and Andover Central won seven uh, nothing and I wouldn't be surprised if this is I, I won't say it's a seven nothing game but I could see it being very low scoring two very well disciplined teams they've got weapons on offense but but I think uh, this game I, I would expect this one to be a, a grinded out type affair uh, you know maybe a seventeen to fourteen something in that range and I. Don't ask me to pick a winner. I think it's I think it's just going to be another outstanding uh, quarterfinal. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, Andover Central and McPherson, two programs that traditionally teams that we're seeing at this point and, and even deeper in the postseason. So uh, that should be a great game, as as should uh, all the other Class 4A matchups. And then looking at Class 3A, we've got Frontenac 9-1 going to Holton 6-4. We got Hayden 10-0 going to Parsons 9-1. And in the West, Clay Center nine and one at Cheney ten and zero, and then Wichita Collegiate nine and one at Andale nine and one, and that's a rematch of a, of a regular season game from uh, earlier that Andale won. But Andale has a little bit different look going into this rematch, and uh, you know we, we we know that the Indians are a little bit more vulnerable in past years, having lost for the first time in several years. But how much more vulnerable are they going into this matchup with Collegiate, Scott? Yeah, well, I, I was at the first meet, meeting that these teams played, which happened to be the last uh, victory in Andale's 57-game winning streak that, that ended a week later against Cheney. Uh, Andale uh, you know, won that game 28-7, to got off to a, a good start, was up 20 to nothing at halftime. Owen Eck had a big big night running the ball. Uh, but it, early in the third quarter, Collegiate came out and drove the ball down, cut it to 20 to seven with a good opening drive. They've got, you know, of course, Hudson Farella is the, the transfer from Heston is running the show at quarterback for them. Uh, and so Collegiate really tried to make that stand. They got it to 20 to seven and, and then Andale was able to do what they do and answer with a big boy drive to, to stretch it back out to 28, seven. Um, I think this could be a really good rematch. I think, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think it'll come down to collegiate's physicality. Can they be physical enough to, to, uh, to, to break through um, and, you know, kind of turn the tide. I think that's the thing that, that Cheney was able to do when it beat Andale a week later. Uh, they kind of neutralized Andale's running game a little bit. Uh, you know, heard, I haven't talked to, to coach Dylan Smith, but heard uh, Andale when they went out to Scott city, had a couple of injuries, uh, it'll be interesting to see if everybody reports uh, uh, for Friday night, and and we'll see how that goes. But but again, another one of these these two point meetings where uh, you know Andell's held the upper hand on on collegiate here in, in recent years, and and uh, you know I think collegiate collegiate definitely has the skilled players to compete. It's can they be physical? And I mean it's it's it's, a, it's the question everybody faces against Andell. Can you be tough enough to to stand up and 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 make that stand? And of course. Down here in th- around, around the Wichita area, everybody's expecting uh, 
you know, maybe a, a Cheney Andel 2.0 after that, that, that thrilling overtime victory for Cheney against Andel, but, but hold the phone. I think Clay Center is going to have plenty to say about this when, when they travel to, to Cheney. Of course, they beat Cheney last year, 24 to six, and really uh, just two stellar defensive efforts in the playoffs to beat, you know, they shut out collegiate Clay Center did last year and returned a lot of starters this year, uh, almost the entire defense and and most of their starters on offense so uh you know i think everybody's everybody's counting on cheney andale 2.0 in next week's semifinals but uh uh man i'm i don't know clay center uh definitely has the history of of, of getting the job done against cheney and and cheney's kind of this has kind of been the hurdle this 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 level you know uh they lost one to southeast of Celine a couple years ago and and then clay center got them last year so so cheney is well they've had a great season and they have they have an outstanding quarterback in josh burdick and and of course one of the state's top players in, in receiver and running back uh, jackson both um you know cheney is, is having a really good year but uh um Let's let's not uh, let's not write the the Cheney Andel semifinal in ink just yet. Yeah, I got to catch Clay Center earlier this year against Southeast Saline, and it was a, it was a really good game. Uh, Southeast Saline seemed to seemingly delivered a couple uh, haymakers early, but Clay Center just hung tough and let their let their ground game really go to work. Uh, made some made some good defensive plays, and and they're they're kind of built for the postseason. You know, they they run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They can throw it a little bit, and you know, just kind of enough that they that they need to. And Cole Pladson's had a really nice year at quarterback, uh, Brody Hayes and, and Carter Long, they're running backs that have done a great job. And those two guys really key the defense as well. And so, yeah, I, I do think Clay Center is kind of, kind of a team that nobody, nobody's talked about just because they were kind of burst on the scene last year with their postseason run. That kind of came a little bit out of nowhere and, and they've really gone out and backed it up with a, with a strong year this year. So uh, those should be a couple great games out in the West and on the East side, you know, Holton pulls the upset in in terms of name of an upset only. You know, when it gets to the postseason, you always expect Holton to be one of those teams battling all the way to to the final weekend of the year. It's just what they've done uh, under Brooks Marta during during uh, his coaching career there. And when they went and, and knocked off Wellsville last week, Wellsville was undefeated. It, you know, it, it was a bit of a surprise just because of the way the season's gone for Holton this year. You know, they were just 4-4 four and four coming into the playoffs. Um, had some good losses on the resume, but really hadn't looked like a team that had kind of put it together as Holton teams typically do. But uh, they've put it together now and, and really have hit their stride in the postseason. Uh, they beat Wellsville, like I said, 20 uh 21 to 13 last week uh their their ground game is doing what it, it what it typically does abbott hunley uh converted offensive linemen their leading rusher this year he i think he played tackle last year for him and this year he's their he's their leading rusher and uh they they knock off wellsville uh they get frontenac and them and frontenac have some good history they've met five times in the playoffs since 2015 uh holton's won three of those games frontenac's won won the other two. Frontenac beat them the last time they played uh, in, in 2021 to get to the title game uh, that season. Uh, twice uh, one of the teams has beaten the other when they were undefeated. So it's a good little uh, playoff rivalry. You know, sometimes we, we talk about rivalries being these Silver Lake Rossville or, you know, th- those kind of in-season, in-season type rivalries. Well, you also get playoff rivalries with teams that tend to meet each other year after year after year, and Holton Frontenac is certainly one of those. And so uh, that should be a great game up in Holton. And then the other one, you got Hayden, which has really overcome quite a bit this year to be, still be 10-0. and 0. You know, they lost their leading 
leading rusher uh, Finn Dunshee to a knee injury after four games. Uh, they lost starting quarterback Jet Walmeyer in the playoff opener. Uh, lost a couple other starting offensive players, but Hayden just keeps plugging guys in and rolling along. They beat uh, beat Santa Fe Trail last week, forty-two to twenty-four, to improve to ten and zero. Um, and they'll be traveling down to Parsons, which is having one of its best seasons it's ever had uh, at nine and one. And, you know, this looks like to be a, a pretty good game. Parson has some definitely some great skill players. Hayden has a pretty good defense. Mac, uh, looking at Parsons, you know, it looks like they've got the firepower to really, uh, really play with Hayden this year. Yeah, I would I would say with just looking at what they've been able to do and 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 the players that they have, uh, they they're also a team that's very much uh, still feeling like they're trying to have something to prove after the way last season ended when they started out five and zero and then they lose four straight to to close it out and you know I, I think there was probably a little concern from them when they had lost uh, late in the year to to Frontenac by two, uh, but. Uh, they already, you know, uh, made sure that they didn't repeat on uh, how last year played out and, and just uh, go on that three-game winning streak to, to get where we are now. And uh, with senior Tramac and, and uh, senior uh, Jamarian Washington as the uh, just duo in, in the backfield, uh, Mac has 1,500 passing yards and, and, and 15 passing touchdowns. And uh, Jamarian Washington has over 1,400 rushing yards and 22 rushing touchdowns. So uh, they definitely have the offensive firepower. Um, you know, they have a pretty balanced, they have, uh, you know, Two of their uh, top receivers uh, have, have gone over 400 yards. Two seniors and and Wheat and Kendrick. So, uh, you know they they balance attack, high powered, uh, and and definitely a, a team that when you have something to to prove, they're going to go into this game a, a against Hayden. Uh, I I fully expect this uh, to to be full of fireworks throughout. Because uh, those are two high quality teams going at it in Parsons. Yep, those should be some great games on the east side of the state. And then going down to Class Two A, probably the best collection of uh, of teams in, in any of the classifications. When you look at it, you got four teams in Class Two A are still undefeated. Uh, when you talk about uh, Southeast Saline, Hoisington, Nemaha Central, and Norton, all undefeated, and then the other four teams are just nine and one. So. I mean, you look at eight teams and you've got a total of four losses between the eight teams in Class 2A. That makes for uh, just an absolutely dynamic Final Four. And on the east side of the state, you've got Humboldt, which is 9-1. and one. They're going to be traveling to Sabetha, which is 9-1. and one. Osage City, 9-1, and one, travels to Nemaha Central, 10-0, and 0, uh, defending state champions. And then on the west side of the state, you got undefeated matchup, the only one. Southeast Saline, 10-0, at Hoisington, 10-0. And then you got Norton ten and zero at Ellsworth nine and one and and Ricky you've been uh, we haven't been able to really talk to you much on this podcast yet uh, trying to hit out west so let's start with you out west with this Norton Ellsworth matchup you know Norton's been a program that for years and years has such great history but you know they've really put it all together this year and had a very nice season out there yeah that that defense is legit for sure uh, you know I saw them early in the year against Phillipsburg they're the key for them is their defensive line. They they are just tough to handle up front, and their defensive end Roman Hauser. He's really really good off the edge. Um, 
you know, they gave up 34 points, you know, in their playoff opener against Cimarron, but then they just got right back to doing what they do, um, you know, the next week against TMP Marion in an 18-6 win, um, you know, only giving up 10 points a game, uh, you know, and and they're, they, they've got some talent on offense. Uh, their quarterback, Eli Jones, he, he's much improved as a passer. You could see him kind of come on a little bit at the end of, end of last year and this year. He's just been really, really sharp. Um, he's thrown for almost 1,800 yards and 16 touchdowns, uh, got a really good uh, receiving core with Tice Melvin and Roman Hauser and Bodie Fannin still. Um, so, you know, they've they've really been able to put it together, which is good to see for them. You know, I thought they could have made a deep playoff run last year, but, uh, you know, really derailed by injuries. Uh, they lost their really good running back, Garrett Urban, uh, early in the year and just just weren't quite able to recover. But, um you know, I think I think uh, Ellsworth will be a good 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 test for them, and I I, I wouldn't see I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of a low 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 scoring game. Yeah, Ellsworth really hangs uh, hangs its hat on its defense as well, and, and you know they've got a, a senior senior group back that uh, really got things turned around for this program a year ago. Uh, their only loss this year was to Southeast of Saline in the in the regular season finale, and in fact, all of the four nine and one teams. Three of them have lost to one of the ten and O teams that are one of the other teams that's still playing. You know, Sabetha's only loss came to Meemaw Central. Humboldt's only loss came to Osage City, and so and then Osage City had their only loss to Sedgwick. So you know, even talking about these nine and one teams, you know, they're nine and one, and their only loss are teams that are still alive in the in the playoffs in two A. So it's a it's kind of a crazy deal and. You know, Ellsworth definitely will be a team that, uh, you know, if, if they can come out and get a little bit of offense going against Norton and, or vice versa, that's going to be what decides it because I think both teams are just really strong defensively in that game. And then the other West matchup, Southeast Saline and Hoisington, you know, two 10 and O's, the only matchup in 10 and O's in the playoffs. It's crazy that it happens in the in the quarterfinals and not, uh, you know, not somewhere deeper along in, in the playoffs. But that's just kind of how the 3A bracket is, as good as it is. That's how, that's how it is this year. And so, uh, you know, Southeast Saline, last year they made it to the state semifinals, got knocked off by Kingman 28-22 in double overtime. They had to face Kingman last week in the in the uh, second round in the regional play. They get their revenge in that game and uh, and knock off knock off uh, Kingman there to get back into the back into the quarterfinals and then Hoisington, uh, you know, they've just been dominant all season. They they've really only had one game decided by less than 28 points. That was a 27-19 win over Pratt. Uh, they, they've just been crushing people left and right. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Tony Moore at quarterback for Hoisington, Taryn Kraft, they're good running back. They've got a really good lineman led by Kate line led by Caden Hoffman. Um, they're in the quarterfinals for the ninth time in Zach Baird's 10 seasons out there. So, you know, Zach Baird really done a great job with that Hoisington program. They're 97 and 18, uh, since he's been there, they played for the state title in 2020, falling to Rossville. And then they played last year in the quarterfinals at this point as well. And Southeast Saline took a 44 21 victory in that game. You know, Southeast Saline had to kind of rebuild. They, they graduated their quarterback, uh, Gebhardt and uh, several of their other skill players, but Daniel cares gone come in and really had a nice season nathan friesen their running back and and southeast saline handed clay center it's only lost uh, up in 3a and so they've had a really good year and then on the east side of the state you know nemo central the big news there is they gave up points last week they uh you know they they 
uh, beat Holton 34 to six in the opener. And since they, they hadn't given up a point, they posted eight straight shutouts before taking a 55, 13 win over Riley County last week. Uh, Riley County actually scored first in that game. So first time Nemaha has trailed all year, but Nemaha came back and scored 48 straight points to blow the game open and take the win. So the thunder just having a great year, Carter hike, uh, just has stepped in at quarterback and had a, just a tremendous season. Uh, just just rushing the ball, has 34 rushing touchdowns this year, thrown for nine touchdowns, and just having a tremendous season. And their defense, like I said, has just been just been outstanding, giving up 19 points all season long. And then um, Osage City, uh, you know, nine and one. Their only loss came to Sedgwick, a game that they they kind of had in hand, and Sedgwick came back and rallied and, and beat them. But Osage City, uh, you know, they graduated Landon Boss, who had been the kind of the the backbone of their program for the last three or four years. Uh, looked like huge shoes to fill, but Casey Parsons, the sophomore, really stepped in and done a done a great job this year in filling those shoes. He's thrown for over 2,000 yards and 24 touchdowns. Also ran for 11 yards and almost eight, or ran for 11 touchdowns and almost 800 yards. So Osage City, uh, you know, they, they've last played Nemaha in the playoffs in 2020, and it was a 7 nothing game. I think uh, it'll it still could be a pretty low scoring game, but uh, you know Osage City will have to have to try to find some offense to see if it can get past Nemaha Central. And then the other one is Sabetha. Uh, taking on Humboldt, Sabetha had just a. It was it was kind of a weird game last week. You go out in in a game and have a guy rush for 370 yards and four six turnovers. You think you're going to cruise to that victory, but Silver Lake, despite shooting itself in the foot over and over and over again, really hung in there and and made Sabetha work all the way to the end before Sabetha wins 45 34 in that game. You know Sabetha scored in their first two offensive plays of the game, a 43 yard run by Colin Menold and an 80-yard run by Chase Fry after both coming after interceptions at Silver Lake, and you think, okay, Sabetha's going to roll, but it, it ends up being a 14-14 game at halftime. It's 24-21 early in the fourth quarter, but Mendel and the and Blue Jays running game just too much. Mendel runs for 370. Sabetha runs for 563 as a team, and they cruise. They get, finally pull out the win, winning 45-34. to uh, so they'll, their only loss came to Nimaha in, in week eight of the regular season. They'll play host to Humboldt, which um, which is nine and one this year, and and had to replace Trey Summer. They're kind of do it all guy from last year, but Blake Ellis has really had a nice year, uh, nice year at quarterback. Their only loss came to Osage City, um, uh, thirty six to twenty two, and uh, Humboldt is back in the. And, and they've reached eight wins for the fourth time in the last six years. Uh, they were in the semifinals in 2018, looking to get back there this year. They uh, they travel up to Sabetha for that game. Going down to Class 1A. Sorry, we've got uh, we've got some good games down in Class 1A. Uh, Battle of St. Mary's. Is it the hyphen or non-hyphen that's going to prevail in this one? Or no, apostrophe. The apostrophe or non-apostrophe with St. Mary's Colgan 10-0. Traveling to St. Mary's, seven and three. St. Mary's, the defending state champion from a year ago. And then Olpe, eight and two at Jefferson North County North, nine and one. And then on the west side, Conway Springs, eight and two at Marion, nine and one. And Medicine Lodge, eight and two at Valley Heights, eight and two. And let's start with that: the Battle of St. Mary's. And and Mac, uh, you got to see Colgan in the first game this year. Uh, Ended up being the, the toughest test they've had all year when they beat Frontenac, Cannon Frontenac, their only loss in that game. And this looks like to be a great uh, showdown between them and, and St. Mary's, the defending state champion. 
Yeah, and the, you know rematch from last year, and uh, this time uh, Colgan having Tucker Harrell who got injured the the week before the, their matchup in last year's playoffs. Uh, the, with him and 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 Cooper Simmons, uh, these two have been such a dynamic uh, duo in the backfield, uh, and you know, uh, one having Harrell be somebody who uh, is able to throw the ball, but also uh, is, will get. Uh, you know, gritty with uh, in the run game. Uh, you know, he has uh, double digits in, in rushing touchdowns to to go along with his thousand passing yards and thirteen passing touchdowns. But really, it's uh, when you're looking at that offense, it's it's the damage that Simmons does as this power runner uh, who started the year with four hat tricks, rushing touchdowns, four games of three rushing touchdowns. Didn't stop until he only got one uh, against Northeast in, in week four. And then uh, I think he got another hat trick uh, maybe week six against Uniontown. And, but he's had a rushing touchdown every game this year. Uh, he's had uh, in, in all but two games, had multiple rushing touchdowns. Uh, so those two have been just phenomenal. And then uh, the defense has definitely gotten the job done, uh, you know, throughout the year and and, and will be one that uh, is, is still looking great right now right now uh you know uh ends up leading uh colgan to they get the 63-6 win over an 8-1 and jayhawk lynn team uh last week and you know it'd be hard to count out a team like st mary's that after you know we saw the magic they they can put on last year but uh it should be very interesting with this matchup this year of uh, of having colgan at full strength with hucker with tucker harrell uh playing the way he's playing and, and simmons just mowing through defenses throughout the year yeah, I agree. You know, St. Mary's started the year 0-3, all losses to big bigger schools and and looking at Rock Creek, Rossville, and Silver Lake or who their losses to. And having to replace Keller Hurla, who really carried that team on his shoulders last year on his way to be an all-state top eleven selection by Keisha Covered. You know, this year it's Brady Hurla leading the offense and uh, not quite as dynamic as Keller was, but Keller was just one of those special talents both on the football field and the basketball court. But you know, St. Mary's has just really gotten it done and, and once they've started playing one A competition competition they've just been uh just been lights out they uh you know they handed jefferson county north uh, its only loss of the year uh in that game and they really rolled into this game i'm planning on being out of that game on friday night really looking forward to seeing uh seeing how that one turns out and then the other one on the east side opie at jefferson county north you know jefferson north had a really good year uh uh, the Grady Knoll and Ethan Knoll, the Knoll boys in the backfield have really been a, a strong one-two punch. And then you throw in Connor Cairns, and that's another a third guy that they've really uh, all you know leaned on all three of those guys this year to really have a great season. Like I said, their only loss came to St. Mary's. I got to catch them early in the year against Wabunsee, and they gutted out a really good, hard-fought game in that one. And and uh, you know they've just been playing some great football, and then Opie, you know it's a it's a program that's always here. They're always there at the end. They play a, a weird schedule because they don't really have a league to play in as the only 11, 11 man school in in uh, the Lyon County League. So they they take on the likes of Hayden and Bishop Ward and Caney Valley and and a lot of these bigger schools, and and they take some lumps in those games, but it also prepares them for uh, for the postseason. And you know they're eight and two this year. The defense has been very strong, uh, uh, probably the strength of their team for sure, because their offense is, 
has kind of been beat up a little bit this year. They've gone through three different guys playing quarterbacks, and and they've only thrown for 547 yards. And you look at their stats, and they're they're pretty pedestrian. Their leading rusher is 494 yards, which you know that's 49 yards a game, which isn't isn't much to write home about. But when your defense goes out and, and keeps you in ball games, they just kind of do what they they need to do. And and Chris Schmidt just has them battle tested, and and they're always ready to go when it when it comes postseason time. So I think that'll be a good game. I, I think Jefferson North would be the favorite in that game, just uh, just based on the season they've had. But Olpe's a team that you can you can never count out. And then looking at the western half of the state, uh, some some new faces really to go along. Uh, you know, Conway Springs is a team that always seems to be there in the postseason. But then you look at uh, Marion nine and one there, Medicine Lodge eight and two. Valley Heights eight and two, and I'll, I'll speak a little bit to the Valley Heights Medicine Lodge one real quick, and then turn it over to Scott. But you know, last year Medicine Lodge was three and six, Valley Heights was two and seven, and this year they're both eight and two. So both have really turned things around. And Vaughn. Valley Heights part, a big part of it was Carson Spoons transferring in from Eureka. He's really given that offense another dimension uh, at that quarterback spot. A guy that, you know, Valley Heights, will they'll lean on the run hard uh, in, in all their games. That's what they like to do. Last week when they knocked off Sedgwick, they had three backs that ran for over 100 yards, and two of them were at like 190 or more. So, uh, you know, they really lean hard on on their ground game and and Spoons to teaming with Jaden DeWalt and Kaysen Bingham really gives them three guys that just just pound away at you and pound away at you and you know they they really shut down a uh, a uh, Sedgwick team that likes to pass the ball is just a you know kind of contrast in styles last week and uh, Valley Heights gets out to a 30 to 6 lead Sedgwick uses its passing game to come back it's within 46 40 in the fourth quarter before uh, before Valley Heights get the late late touchdown to win fifty two to forty in that one. So, but uh, Medicine Lodge had a great has had a great turnaround season, and Marion's had a great season. Scott, those two, uh, you know, newcomers to this this deep in the playoffs, but uh, great stories this year for those teams. Yeah, definitely a newcomer to this generation for Marion. Marion had some success back in the nineties, but it's been a while since they've had a had a run like this. Uh, you know, they had a real disappointment. They hosted Sedgwick in, in week eight, and that game was for a district title, and Marion came out real strong and, and uh, kind of had the upper hand in the first half. But but Sedgwick was able to, with its passing game, was able to find a way to, to win on Marion's home field and, and kind of set, set Marion into the playoffs. So, you know, kind of look – try chomping at the bit to, to rebound. And, and I think Marion really is, has done that well. Um, you know, they, they handled Wabunsi in the first round pretty handily and then went up to Smith center last week and then won 38, 14. And, and, uh, you know, history shows that's not an easy thing to do, but, uh, um, I, I think, you know, you mentioned Valley Heights really leaning on the run. Now, here you've got two teams, Conway Springs and Marion, that that uh, would prefer to, to to line up and go smash mouth as well. Conway, of course, with the outstanding senior, Braden Koontz. He's had a, another great year, uh, climbed over 2,000 yards uh, for the season last week in a 52-22 win over Sterling. Uh, and Marion's got a real good one-two punch. Quarterback Jack Lanning is is big and physical, and and, and uh, his, his running back mate, uh, uh, Trevor Schaefer's is, is even bigger and more physical, and those guys can really can w- really wear on an opposing defensive line. I you know I I kind of think Conway Springs and Marion could you know 
if they stick to, to what they do best, that game could be over in an hour and a half because, uh, you know, I think both, team, both teams could really run it well. And, and uh, uh, you know, then if the winner gets Valley Heights, shoot, maybe that game it could be over in an hour. Who knows? I mean, these, yeah, I think what you're seeing here is uh, in November, uh, some of these teams that, that really lean on that physicality, it, it, it pays off. And I think this Conway Springs-Marion game uh, will really be outstanding up at Marion on Friday. Yeah, and Ricky, you got to see Marion and Smith Center last week. How impressed were you with Marion and what they were able to do to a Smith Center team that always is a tough out in the playoffs? Yeah, particularly what they were able to do up front, you know, and talking to Coach Sean Kraft. I mean, he knew that's going to be a challenge for anyone, especially somebody that's not, you know, those kids weren't that familiar with Smith Center. They don't see them very often. And for them to step up and and hold them to, I think, I believe under 200 yards rushing. And then, uh, you know, and then the fact that they did, you know, they had a, a few miscues, Marion, that they had to to shake off. I mean, they, they turned the ball three over time, the three times, but they always just felt like they were, they were in control. And, uh, you know, Jack Lanning's a really good quarterback. Uh, Trevin, Sh- uh, Trevor Schaefer's had a, had a really good game on the ground as well. So, um, yeah, I was just really impressed with, with what they did against a tradition rich school like Center. Yeah, you know, speaking of impressive, we'll dip down to the eight-man division one. And Ricky, you've got one of the most impressive programs running in the state right now, and and Leota, Wichita County. You know, they uh, they're the defending state champions. They'll take on Atwood, Rollins County. Uh, Atwood is nine and one. Wichita County ten and zero. Other West Side, Hoxie nine and one. At El Saline nine and one. And then on the East Side, you've got uh, you got Caraparavel eight and two. At Chase County seven and three. And then West Elk nine and one at Linden ten and zero. And Ricky, let's start with the defending champs out west. Uh, you know nobody's really been able to push them much this year. Uh, it, it, can anybody push this team? Yeah, you know I was just thinking about what it must be like to prepare for Wichita County. I mean, first off, you know Coach Brant. Coach Brant Douglas is kind of an offensive genius with with some of the plays he draws up. So they're really, you know, they're a they're a juggernaut offensively. So you got to kind of prepare for everything they throw at you there. Then you got to worry about ball security because they they're really adept at getting turnovers and extra possessions. And then oh by the way, you probably got to spend you know at least half an hour an hour fielding onside kicks because they they after they score they do an onside kick every time. So they just put so much pressure on you to be you know to be sharp in all phases of the game and you know what's been impressive to me about this year is you know they had a stretch where they were without their star running back Chris Hermosello and they really didn't miss a beat I mean they were out without him for most of the Hoxie game and and still able to to win handily against Hoxie and then uh, you know they won easy the next two games without Hermosello so uh you know, I, yeah, I just can't say enough about how impressive um, this stretch has been. 23 straight wins. Uh, you know, obviously lost a dynamic kid in, uh, in uh, Eric Hermosillo. And then Wyatt Gardner, who's a heck of an athlete, heck of a wrestler, just steps in and, and at quarterback. And it's kind of just a seamless transition because he's, he's done a great job. But, um, you know, Rollins County... You know, I think they were kind of the, a surprise team in, in eight-man D1 this year. Uh, lost quite a bit off last year's eight and three team, but um, Ryan Stromick has just had a heck of a year for them. Uh, he's rushed for 1,773 yards, 28 touchdowns. Uh, Braxton Dixon has been a solid quarterback. Brian Rodriguez has had, had a solid year for them with nine touchdown catches. So, um, you know, their only loss, their only loss was to Hoxie. Uh, but it's just been 
It's just been a great run for them, and I'm sure that's a program that's excited to get the best and see how they how they stack up. And I, you know, I think obviously Wichita County is the heavy favorite in that game, but I think I think. Uh, you know, Atwood's got some talent to to give them to give them some trouble. So we'll we'll see what happens. But it should I think it has a chance to be a decent game. Um, you know, I'll I'll t- touch a little bit on Hoxie as well. Um, you know, their only loss was to Wichita County in in week three, and they've bounced back. Uh, you know, they bounced back really well. Um, they beat Rollins County 32-26. Um, Duncan Bell's had a solid year for, for them at quarterback. Uh, Braden Sheets, uh, you know, he's been he's been strong as well. Had four touchdowns last week. So, you know, they're just they're just a tradition rich program, and uh, you know, I think that I think that has a really good chance to to be a good game against uh, El Saline. Yeah, and El Saline, one of the surprise teams this year, Scott. You know, they were a newcomer to eight-man football a year ago and, and really have, have put things together this year. They lost to Moundridge in the season opener, but uh, they've been rolling ever since and pick, has picked off some big big names. Yeah, you kind of wondered. Uh, you know, I saw that score with Moundridge back in week one, and, and uh, you know, you wonder, okay, is El Saline, uh, you know, what are they going to have this season? And they turned around and I think went up to Hanover the next week and, and got a win and and uh, have just kind of been rolling along through there. They, they, uh, like you said, a really a, a nice schedule, at least reputation-wise. I mean, they beat Little River. That's a that's a, a school that uh, uh, has a lot of uh, eight-man tradition. Clifton Clyde, they, they won that game too. So, uh, yeah, and it's just kind of carried over into the playoffs. And, you know, the, the margins of victory have been really impressive. Uh, you know, I think that score against Meade uh, – you know, sixty-eight to twenty the other night. That one really, uh, really was one of those that kind of caught my eye. And and uh, yeah, so just a, a great season after kind of a, a rough start for the Cardinals. Yeah, and then on the east side, uh, you know, it's it's almost like district play all over again in the uh, in the postseason on the east side with three of the four teams coming out of uh, District Two there, and and Paravel, Chase County, and Linden all coming out of that out of that district. And we'll start with Paravel, Chase County. You know, Paravel. Only in its second year as being a full-fledged Cation member uh, in in football, and and uh, you know they they were uh, the Kansas Christian Athletic Association champions the year before they they uh, decided to make the move over, and then went with three and five last year, kind of getting baptized into Casha uh, Casha teams and and playing in just an absolutely tough district when you talk about Linden, Burlingame, Chase County, uh, Madison. You know they were all loaded last year, and Carpeauville. Uh, you know took his lumps last year well this year they're the ones kind of delivering some lumps uh they're eight and two this year their only losses are linden which is undefeated number two in in division one and then axtell which is undefeated number two or number one in division two and and they were actually tied 44 44 with axtell going into the fourth quarter before axtell pulled away late for a 60 44 win but uh caraparavel already beat uh, chase county this season 52 to 16 but you know chase county uh, they lost Mitch Budke from a year ago. Had, had to, he was kind of their heart and soul, but uh, they've really they've really come on strong. I got to catch them against Linden, and it was a heck of a game. They really pushed Linden to the to the limits in a 38-34 loss in that game. And and last week, both of these teams knock off undefeated teams. Carpenterville beat Central Burden seventy six to thirty, and Chase County knocks out Moundridge thirty six twenty six. So both coming off big wins over undefeated teams. I think the rematch will be a little bit better this time, but Carpenterville uh, has had just an outstanding season. Jace Pavlik. Uh, their quarterback and Josiah Benura, their running back slash receiver, 
Uh, just been a great combo for them. And then uh, Chase County has really leaned heavily on the Griffin boys, uh, Brock and R- Wyatt Griffin. Brock's their leading rusher. Wyatt, their their quarterback. Uh, Micah Cowthers has been uh, just a beast on the defensive line for him with 15 sacks this year. And last week it was Tag Grow that really had a big game, uh, scored three touchdowns, two receiving, and a 70-yard kickoff return. So it uh, should be a really great rematch in that one. And then Lyndon West Elk. Uh, Lyndon, you know, we've talked about it before. Tanner Heckle transfers in from Inman and just takes a a really good Lyndon team and makes them great uh, this year. He's accounted for 55 touchdowns already this year, uh, just on offense. Uh, Run for 39 and thrown for 16. Uh, over nearly 1,700 yards rushing, uh, nearly 900 yards passing. Uh, he's had three games this year where he scored at least eight touchdowns. So, uh, you know, Lyndon just looking like a powerhouse. But, you know, West Elk really served uh, served some notice last week. You know, they're a team that, that's always kind of taken a good record into the playoffs and then and then seemingly gets upset. Last year, you know, they were they – were, uh, they were right there, uh, undefeated, going into the playoffs and lost to uh, lost to Berlin game in the first round. Uh, and uh, you know, Berlin game was the fourth, or no, I'm sorry, lost to Linden in the first round last year. Linden being the four seed coming out of their district. Well, they get try to get payback on Linden this year after after really opening some eyes last week uh, with a with a win over over Little River, 72 to 60 was the score of that game. Uh, just a crazy back and forth game. Kriu Coop. Uh, he's been a stud there for three years. He had five rushing touchdowns, caught a touchdown pass. Uh, Trent Hag, the coach's son, ran for three scores. And and uh, so West Elk uh, has been been on a roll. Their only loss came to Central Burden. Um, but, uh, you know, if they can get things going against Linden, this could be a, a real heck of a shootout up in Linden on uh, on Friday night. And so those are the, the other teams in eight-man division one. We go to eight-man division two. And uh, whereas it was district play in the uh, – in in Division One, it's kind of that same way in Division Two with Frankfurt, Hanover, and Axdale all out of the same district, all out of the same Twin Valley League. They're all in the semi in the quarterfinals here. Uh, Frankfurt will take on Hanover. Frankfurt eight and two at Hanover six and four, and then Axdale will play host to Osborne nine and one. Axdale ten and zero, and then on the west side of the state, you've got. I'm sorry. You've got Victoria eight and one at Dighton six and four, and Mineola ten and zero at South Central seven and three. And I'll start with the defending champion uh, Axdale. They've won two straight uh, Division two state titles, undefeated both seasons. Have the uh, longest current winning streak in the state with 36, and they've just been absolutely dominant this year. After after really pulling out a game against Carpentervale, they've just been uh, tremendous since, and uh, and uh, have just just really run over people and their nine other wins they've outscored teams 518 to 32 and so uh you know they've, they've gone out and just really been been uh overpowering uh brandon schmelzel has taken over a quarterback for pop 11 the uh, graduated quarterback isaac detweiler and he's completed 62 of 75 passes this year which is ridiculous uh, you know 13 13 incompletions all year long uh you know Thrown for 1,123 yards, 25 touchdowns, run for nine touchdowns. Uh, he's not the only weapon they've got. Eli Broxterman, Grady Bussing, Landon Schmitz, all all give that offense something. And so, um, you know, this is a rematch with Osborne from a year ago. Osborne actually led this game 6 nothing in the first quarter a year ago, but then uh, then Axel scored the next 52 points of the game and, and won that one going away. Osborne's had a great season. Um, they're – 
only loss came to Hanover, which was a little bit of a stunner at that point. But they've rebounded, and and with uh, Dawson Lance, Dalton Garman, and Doak Gudry, they've got three guys in that backfield that have really uh, really kind of got them going. So it'll be interesting to see if Osborne has anything to go up against Axtell, and I'll let Ricky talk a little bit about them in a minute. But the other one, we got Frankfurt and uh, Hanover, and Frankfurt really uh, – Really made a nice statement win last week in beating Canton Galva. It was tied 22-22 at halftime. And then Kent, uh, Frankfurt came out and just took over the game in the second half and wins it going away. Just absolutely uh, absolutely owned the second half and uh, and beat them 66-28. to So, uh, you know, Frankfurt, Wes Anderson's their quarterback. He's threw for 355 yards and four touchdowns last week. And they, they'll take on Hanover, who they've already beat this year. Uh, Hanover, uh, Frankfurt really dominated that first game, led 36 to eight at halftime, ended up winning 62 to 14, uh, with Anderson throwing for four touchdowns. But, you know, Hanover is one of those traditional powers and, and they kind of, kind of went through it this year. You know, they, they lost three games within their league. They lost to Axel, they lost to Frankfurt, they lost to Clifton Clyde, but they showed what they're capable of when they beat Osborne. And then last week they beat Lebo. So I would never count out a Hanover team, uh, Reich and Stahlbombers, their quarterback this year, but anytime Matt Hoy gets a gets a gets a team in the postseason they're they're going to be somebody to contend with and I'm sure they're going to have a little bit more for Frankfurt this week and then you know those games out west Ricky you can talk a little bit about Osborne before getting into them but uh, you know those west matchups are, are interesting with Dighton really hot at this point yeah, Dighton, Dighton, that was a real impressive what, what Dighton uh, was able to do over the first two weeks of the playoffs. You know, they beat Wallace County uh, 36-16, beat Kensley, who was having just a great year, 36-20. Um, you know, I will backtrack and talk about Osborne real quick. Um you know, I think that's going to be a monumental task for them to upset Axtell. But, you know, if anybody can do it, you can't really count out a Steve Tiernan coach team. Uh, obviously, he has one of the best track records in, in, in eight-man football. And Osborne's had a really, really good year. Uh, you know, you mentioned the one little hiccup they had against Hanover. But, uh, you know, they started the win st- season strong with Hill City and, uh, you know, had to – Wait a few weeks to get a, a, a really standout player and Dope Guttery back who was recovering from offseason back surgery. But, uh, you know, he's back now. And then Dalton Garmans and Dawson Lance are both really, really capable um, offensive weapons. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's no doubt it's going to be a heck of a, a, a challenge. But we'll, we'll see what they can do against uh, against Axtell. Um you know, uh, going back to, to the Dighton and Victoria game, um, yeah, like I said, Dighton, um, you know, they've they've kind of had an up and down year, but man, that's a that's a tradition rich program there under under Ken Simon, and they seem like they're uh, firing also on all cylinders right now. Um, Daniel Kramer's had to step in at quarterback, and uh, you know he's just a really versatile weapon, and has played played really really well for them. Um, Victoria, um, you know they. They opened with a with a loss against Kinsley, who was, uh, you know, kind of an upstart team, and they ended up having a really solid season. But since then, uh, nobody's really been able to test test the Knights. Um, they've been kind of just cruising along, uh, you know, outscored opponents 427 to 78 this year, and uh, and uh, Doug Ebert, Doug Oberle is just a, a really a really great coach who's had a lot of success at Victoria. So I think that. That, that that really is going to be an exciting game with them and Dighton. Um, you know the other the other uh, game out west, uh, Mineola. You know, uh, you know I was kind of I was kind of. Cons- 
curious to see how they would perform once they got into the tougher part of their schedule. Um, you know, last year they were just steamrolling people, and then they ran into Dighton, and, and Dighton just needed one half to, to win that game. That game was over at halftime. So, I mean, I'm kind of wondering – you're kind of wondering if that's going to be the same case this year, but they've they've passed every test that's, that's been thrown at them. I mean, uh, last week they got a really – a really good uh, win over Sylvan Lucas. And uh, what impressed me about that was they held Sylvan Lucas to six points. So, you know, that I know that offense has put up huge numbers, but the, to, the fact that their defense played that well, it makes me think that, that they could be a, a serious contender. Um, and, you know, their quarterback, Eli Lang, I think it's time, you know, we start talking about him as, as one of the top players in, in eight-man football. He had a really good year last year, and he's putting up good numbers this year. Um, also a standout defensive pl- defensive player as well. So um, I'll be interested to see how they do um, against South Central, who's a team that's riding a lot of momentum uh, um, themselves. Uh, they picked up a 58-12 win over Central Plains last week. Uh, JT Prusa had a, had a really outstanding game for them, accounted for seven seven touchdowns. So, um, yeah, that to me that'll – the outcome of that game and the score of that game will tell me, uh, you know, how, how big of a the real deal, I guess, uh, Mineola might be if they're able to, you know, get another good win against uh, South Central. Yeah. And uh, dipping down the final class, uh, six-player division, we've got Tescott 7-2 at Waverly 8-0. and We've got Pawnee Heights 6-4 and at Cunningham 9-1, and Ashland 9-1 and at Northern Valley 9-1, and Shilin 10-0 and at Ingalls 8-2, and I'll start real quick before turning it over to Ricky and Scott. Uh, you know, Waverly and Tescott, it was kind of weird. Uh, you know, Tescott hadn't played since week seven of the uh, of the regular season. And, and uh, you know, they had a bye week and then they had a forfeit and then they had a bye in the playoffs. And so, uh, you know, they, they've been off for quite a while. And then Waverly was almost in the same boat. They had a bye week, played Peabody then had a forfeit, and then a bye week. So they, they both had a chance to really kind of shake off the rust last week. Both did it pretty easily. Uh, Waverly beats Altoona Midway 60-13. to Ben Meehan throws five touchdown passes in that game. Uh, Waverly is undefeated. They really haven't been pushed at all this year. Uh, the closest game was uh, a game over against Jatopa, 55-20. to And then Tesco, uh, they, they shut down Peabody's uh, pretty pretty potent offense. Uh, beat them 69-19. to uh, Carter Peters runs for five touchdowns in that game and uh, gets them back into the quarterfinals. These two teams met in the quarterfinals a year ago uh, with Tes- with Waverly beating Tesco at 46-12 with me and throwing three touchdowns in that game. And so Waverly really uh, really has the look of a team that maybe could contend for a state title this year in, in six-player football. To do that, though, they'll probably have to get past the defending state champion Cunningham, although Pawnee Heights has uh, really come on strong here of late, but uh, that Pawnee Heights Cunningham will be uh, the other semifinal or weather quarterfinal on the east side. And, and Cunningham, you know, lost some key guys off last year's team, but still has a look of a team capable of going out and challenging for a title again this year. Yeah, and this will be a, a rematch with, with Pawnee Heights. And, and uh, Pawnee Heights happened to fall into a streak. Uh, Cunningham, of course, wins the, the six player championship last year against Ashland, opens the season with Ashland, and Ashland takes that uh, a 32-22 victory in the opener, and you kind of wondered, okay, are these losses to, to, you know, there weren't a lot of them, but they did, but Cunningham did lose Trey DeWeese to, to graduation, and uh, Lane Halderson, who was one of the top receivers uh, for Cunningham, 
those were kind of the two big losses, but they, they did, uh, you know, they had Luke, Luke McGuire coming back who had kind of played a, a hybrid quarterback role for them last year. Um, after they lose that game to Ashland, uh, ever since then, they have just been on fire and it has been not just the offense that they have outscored their opponents uh, since the Ashland loss, 449 to nothing. That is eight straight shutouts heading into this game. And that's just a, uh, you know, I think you mentioned that with, uh, was it Nemaha, uh, Nemaha Central earlier that, uh, in our podcast. Uh, eight straight shutouts. That's just, that's astounding. And it, it shows that Cunningham is, is probably armed and, and ready to, to go into, uh, you know, could, could at least get to that title game. And, and uh, you know, Ashland could be the team that's there. Uh, Shylin could be the team that's there, and I'll, I'll kind of turn it over the the western half to you, Ricky. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Uh, you know, Shylin. I think I think mid season they kind of emerged as as the title favorite a little bit. Um, you know, with those with those wins against Ashland and Northern Valley, because not only were they good wins, but they were dominant wins. I mean, they beat Ashland sixty two thirty two, beat Northern Valley fifty four six. You know, just they they returned they returned the core from from last year i mean they got they got a lot of talent and they've they've really just absolutely absolutely dominated uh, uh these last few weeks so i think they've kind of emerged um as the favorite a little bit but then i think um you know all the teams that we've mentioned are right there are right there behind them um uh, you know, at Ashland, Northern Valley, uh, Cunningham. I mean, I think those are all legitimate title contenders. So um, I, we'll see how it all shakes out. But uh, you know, talking a little bit about uh, sh- uh, the sh- the Shyland Ingles game. Um, you know, Ingles has had had a really solid season at at eight and two. I know that'll I know that'll be a tough test for them against against uh, Shyland. But uh, you know, we'll see if they can give uh, the Cougars some problems. And then in the other the other game, uh, we you know we touched on Ashland, started the season with a huge win over over Cunningham, um, then took the loss to Shyland, and they've they've kind of just dominated since. They've got a really good core, and uh, and and Landon McPhail, Lathan McPhail, Britt Grisby, and uh, and Kale Harris, um, and Northern Valley. You know they're a program that's had had a lot of success, and since they've they've come to to the six man ranks, but I think they're kind of just looking for that for that signature win, and this isn't this is another opportunity to to do that against against Shy, against um, um, Ashland. Um, you know they they returned quite a bit from last year's team, so I, I think um, you know that I'm going to go out to that game this this Friday, and I think that has a chance to be um, you know just a really excellent matchup. I agree. Well, that's uh, a look at this week's state quarterfinals uh, in every classification. Uh, a lot of great matchups this week, and uh, it'll be interesting to see which teams are able to advance and set up uh, some great semifinals that we'll get uh, the following week. So that will do it for this week's podcast. Uh, ended up being a little bit longer than I thought, but, uh, you know, we, we had a lot to cover, as we typically always do. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, when we come back next time, uh, we'll be uh, t- tell you a little bit about who won the Unified Bowling and really start taking a look at the, the very end of the football postseason as, uh, as we work towards uh, crowning our state champions uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So for Mac Moore, Scott Pask, and Ricky Peterson, this is Brent Maycock saying thank you for tuning in to another Casey Covered podcast brought to you by Cap Fed True Blue.